Hi, this is Ann Cavera with Speeding Past 80. Thanks for joining me. Today's story is called The Last of Everything. We now have a part-time caregiver coming in a few hours each week. This plus my family support gives me a few hours away to think, write, or shop. And yesterday, I used my away time to go to Grounds for Thought, our local coffee shop. My plan was to get an ice-cold glass of flavored tea, find a quiet spot, and write. So, as I'm ordering a glass of peach apricot tea, I see this single lonely powdered sugar donut in the pastry case. Such a shame. Here it was, the middle of the afternoon, and no one had bought this perfectly good donut. Now, there were several trays of cookies, but having only one donut left seemed, well, wrong. I did not need a donut, but since this was the last one, it felt like a sign. I should be the one to buy this donut and save it from a life of loneliness. I paid the server for my tea and donut and moved to the end of the pastry case. My server went over to the prep counter, and with his back to me, he began mixing my flavored tea. At that moment, an elderly gentleman walked up to the pastry case, and a girl took his order for a coffee. Then this man had the nerve to say, I'll have that last donut, and he pointed to my donut, still in the display case. Well, she took his money, put my donut in a bag, and gave it to him. Wait, what? I had a sign. This donut is mine. Never mind that him getting my donut was probably a sign it wasn't really meant for me. Did you ever notice people usually find signs to support whatever they've already decided they want to do anyway? Well, I considered stepping up and telling the girl and the man that I had already paid for that donut, so maybe he'd like one of those nice cookies. I didn't say a word. The man walked away with his coffee and my donut. I said nothing because two hours earlier, I had been reading a book that made a good case for gracefully letting go of whatever is trying to slip through our fingers. Well, my server brought my glass of tea and reached in the case for my donut. I explained to him why it wasn't there. This young man said, Oh no, this is my fault. I should have given you the donut right away. Now the girl who sold my donut is standing next to him. She looks confused. My server explains everything to her. Meanwhile, that elderly gentleman is sitting at a table way near the back, polishing off my donut without a clue that he is eating a highly desirable pastry. Recalling the advice I read, I said, no problem, I'll just take one of those oatmeal cookies. I'll pay the difference. Those cookies were more expensive than the donut. I am so sorry, the server says, and he reached to take my money. Well, the girl server is still standing next to us, and she says, you can't do that. You have to void her first sale and re-ring for the tea and the cookie. Well, by now I'm beginning to feel like I'm in the middle of a Seinfeld episode. Are there hidden cameras around here? 
My server smiled and said, Don't worry, it's on the house. I'll make up the difference. And the girl agrees. So, I take this huge oatmeal cookie, which now seems illegal because I did not pay for part of it. Also, there are a dozen oatmeal cookies in the case. So this cookie is less desirable than the donut because my cookie is not the coveted last one. Well, what choice did I have? And there's one other thing. When we get the last of anything, we feel as if we won some kind of competition. The last of anything represents an opportunity we may never get again. This is scarcity thinking. There's even a phrase for it. The initials are F-O-M-O. These initials, FOMO, stand for the fear of missing out. Advertisers make good use of the fear of missing out to sell us a lot of things, many of which we don't need. Advertisements with words like last chance, only two left, are meant to stir up the greedy FOMO feeling within us. I've been caught in FOMO a lot of times, but the one I remember best happened when our son Jim was about a year and a half old. This was before cell phones and the internet. I saw an ad for a huge annual toy sale at a department store. I'd never been to this sale before, but it had been going on for years, and I was told that it was not to be missed if I wanted my child to have a happy Christmas. The day of the sale, I loaded Jim in the stroller and joined a crowd of mostly women waiting for the store to open. I thought it was strange no one else had children with them, but then, of course, they must have gotten sitters because they were buying Christmas gifts. I brought Jim because I didn't have a sitter available during the day. A clerk unlocked the store doors promptly at 9 a.m., and then he scampered off to one side. All the child-free moms ran full speed in ahead of me. By the time we reached the toy department, I realized I had underestimated the situation. All of the other moms had come with a friend or two. The preferred method was to have one friend lurk on the outskirts of the toy area, while the other mother, the runner, dashed into the toy aisles, grabbed armloads of toys, and then dumped them at her friend's feet. The guard friend stood over the loot while her runner friend kept dashing back and forth. Arguments began breaking out when two moms wanted the last of some toy. Two women pushed and shoved each other. Young Jim and I were in the middle of a dangerous situation. Store clerks had been placed at registers well away from the fiasco. I wanted to try to grab a few toys, but my son could have gotten trampled if I left him alone. It all seemed like such a crude way to begin a season devoted to peace, joy, and goodwill. I think I must have bent down and said something to Jim like, Sorry, little buddy. We backed away and left with nothing. But I still think that was the best choice. You know, often, even when we get what we want, it isn't as wonderful as we imagined, or something we work so hard for breaks or gets lost. We have to let it go. Losing something we value is hard, but letting it go is an art form, one that becomes easier and more graceful with practice. Maybe letting go of donuts and Christmas toys is just practice for letting go on a deeper, more meaningful level.
This fall, parents will watch children leave for kindergarten or college. We're always transitioning from one phase of life to the next. That can be hard. Yet there could be no new beginnings without letting go of old, comfortable ways of life. I'm still trying to learn how to let go of donuts, and I'm trying not to read too much into signs. I'm also trying to let go of how I think life should be and embrace each day as it comes. I'm working on finding the good in what I have instead of wishing for the way I think things ought to be. So yesterday, I sat at a table way in the back far side of Grounds for Thought. I spread out my notebook, took a sip of iced tea, and thought. At first, I didn't touch the cookie. After a while, I broke off just a nibble. Twenty minutes later, the whole cookie was gone. Every last crumb. You see, the cookie I didn't think I wanted turned out to be delicious and probably a healthier alternative to what I thought I wanted. Never mind about that donut. This is Ann Cavera with Speeding Past 80. Join us here again next week. Thanks for listening. Oh, and if you're looking for signs about where to go next in life, take a look at Brian Elaine's website for Find Your Next Calling.